0: The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
1: (laughs) Maybe we should offer him a tinfoil star instead. (laughs) Tinfoil star. josh has a a, it's a big pile of statistics he dives into (laughs) like screwed duck some teams are bad because they they can't do things it seems like the angels are bad because of the things they actually do Welcome to episode number 244 of Artificial Turf Wars. It sure is a shame how the Blue Jays just didn't play any baseball for a whole week there in the middle of August. I am your host, Greg Wazduwski, and I am joined by Joshua Hausum, the ever present, uh, the ever optimistic. How are you tonight, Josh?
0: It's a lot easier to say those things when we're recording uh, in the middle of a four-game winning streak as opposed to what preceded it.
1: <laughs> well, See, we I came up with a good trick to not worry about uh, describing you during a losing streak. Not recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Problem solved. Uh, what do we have for, for the next folks today? Well, we have sort of an overview of um, some losing and then some winning. And I, I don't know if it's because the Blue Jays are playing better or the Yankees are playing worse. We can talk about that. Uh, we have the offense uh, some guys just tearing it up. Other guys, mm, I'm not sure what's going on with them. We, of course, have um, the the George Springer problem, which is a little different than everybody else. Um, and then I don't know. Do they even know how to hit right-handed pitching? Uh, on the pitching side, Ross Stripling is back, and wow, did he come back with a with a vengeance? Sending you say Kikuchi to the bullpen. Which is uh, an interesting story in and of itself. Uh, Jose Barrios moved his hands. Uh, Julian Merriweather is on his way to dominating again. We hope so. Uh, We have your question. Well, last time I checked it with one question. There's more than one. Oh, there's more now. We have your questions. And then (laughs) we have uh, a do-over for a Hall of Fame manager who probably should have stayed in the Hall of Fame and stopped managing. But we've said that before. So off we go here to... uh, to a period of time that I will just refer to as the four-game winning streak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happened before it. From nope. the trade deadline, they didn't play until they won these four games in a row. It's crazy that. It's really weird. Uh, I
1: and I, I know you were in the same spot. I was just fundamentally disappointed with how lethargic and sloppy this team looked. Uh coming out of after that trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I mean for me it wasn't so much lethargy. I I didn't want to describe anything like that to it so much, but they just looked not good. Right? They they looked they they didn't play well at all. They couldn't hit at all. They were getting stinkers from Barrios and Kikuchi. The bullpen was actually performing very well, which you wouldn't know because they didn't have any leads to hold. And you know, it just was it was hard to watch, especially you know, they, okay, they struggled a bit on the road. Okay, they came home, lost 2-3 or three to Cleveland, lost 2-3 or three to Baltimore, and then the first two to Baltimore, specifically, without any offense. And it just looks like this team was completely lost. I mean, I hate using that term, because obviously they're not. They are just slumping, but it was tough to watch. But the, the approach leads
1: to a lot of very short um, plate appearances, uh, a lot of non-competitive ground outs uh, to the shortstop, Um, you know, a a lot of strikeouts on pitches that uh, maybe shouldn't be swung at at all. Like, uh, obviously, that's what a slump is. Um, But when the whole team kind of of groups around this disaster, and then you're down by two or three runs by the first or second inning because of the starting pitching uh, having trouble finding its footing. um, And then just once in a while, you have a complete stinker of a defensive game where where people don't know where or how to catch and throw the ball for a couple of innings. It really, really makes lousy entertainment uh, when it comes to watching baseball.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I didn't watch. I mean, it's not great for recording a podcast, but I didn't. I, so I was at the first game in the Cleveland series. We left in the seventh. <laughs> Which I don't normally do that. Now, in fairness, there were some other reasons beyond just the unwatchable product in that game. This is the Barrios latest previous stinker. Um, But I didn't watch any of the rest of the homestand. I just couldn't. I, uh-huh. I, it just was not. I, so people were saying, I, 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 put, I commented about this on Twitter and people were calling me a bad fan for not well, sticking through and just being a fair weather thing. I'm not a fair weather fan. Like, <laughs> come on. I watched the entire 2019 season. <laughs> No, I'm just someone who was getting on un- I care so much about this team that I was getting very frustrated and upset and I didn't like the emotional aspect of that so I just decided not watch for a little bit and just follow until they started playing a little better and I actually thought that was very healthy.
1: I, I this is recreation for for me. This is not a job, right? I'm not required by an employer to work at baseball. so I should be able to pick and choose when I feel good about watching baseball. I am hundred percent with you. Like, there is no requirement for suffering um, to be a real fan. It's just fine to enjoy the victories and not want to emotionally engage with with the defeats.
0: And it's it's not even that, like, the victories and defeats. Like, I'll watch the team when they're not playing, like, when they lose. It was just the, the way that the games were going. They just were not enjoyable, and they were frustrating, and I just didn't want to feel that. Sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, any any reason to watch is a, is a great reason. And again, if you're a fan who feels like you've well-earned um, your your fandom by watching every single game, go nuts. Just, I'm not going to tell you how to watch the game. D- don't, don't tell me and Josh. <laughs> um, so obviously Baltimore is one of the hottest teams in baseball, which I think kind of, you know, it... it it uh it makes more sense that they were losing the games to baltimore you know um not not able to come up with the clutch hits because baltimore has been doing a lot of things right against a lot of teams um in the late going here
0: yeah it does not it doesn't uh, if you were going to say that baltimore was hitting hitting them well and beating them in certain situations but they were getting We're going to get into part of why, but they were really struggling to put anything together offensively against some pitchers that aren't very good.
1: Yeah. Um, But then that's what I I was going to lead to from Baltimore, which is a team that had been playing well since the All-Star break, despite trading away a couple of good players, seems to be on a run where the talent is all firing at the same time. Uh, Then they run into the Yankees, who... Ironically, like somehow went from being the best team in baseball to losing 24 of 36, (laughs) which the Yankees haven't done. I heard on the broadcast today. They haven't lost 24 of 36 since 1995 when Derek Jeter was a
0: a fresh faced young lad on the Yankees. Wow. I mean, that's (laughs) it's you know, it's funny when you want like you look at the Yankees, right? The team that took the field against the Blue Jays in the first three games of this series, that's not a scary offense. Like there's, There are some good hitters, right? Aaron Judge is a great hitter. I mean, he's the best mm-hmm. presumptive MVP right now. Rizzo's having a good year. That's kind of it. When, when there's no Stanton and when the somehow superstar Matt Carpenter's not there, they're just – not that threatening Uh, you know dj lemay has turned back into the colorado version not the crazy mvp version that he was in new york and donaldson is looking old and they're just not a threatening offense so and they're and they're missing some key relievers now because king is out and clay holmes has been terrible so it's they don't look as good as even their preseason roster looked
1: I think we all thought there would be injuries on the Yankees. Right. And it took a long time for Stanton to get hurt. Like he normally does. um, Which I think helped that offense look better. But you made the point back when they were playing the Yankees in May, I think that it wasn't the offense that was, that was dangerous. It was the pitching that was pitching like the starting pitching and the relief that was way, way over all of its expectations. Yeah. Um, And I assume that that's, you know, basically come back to earth because they've, They've lit up every starter they've seen this series, so my small sample size says everything is everything is good for the Blue (laughs) Jays.
0: Let's go with it. Let's let's just keep the podcast rolling in that direction.
1: Yeah, um, but I think you are, you know, you are uh, dealing with not your opponent's overall record, and that's tough to remember. You're dealing with what your opponent is doing versus you in a given series, what they're able to do, what what team they're actually fielding at the moment, Um, and because the season is so long we kind of just think of this this agglomeration of the Yankees or the Blue Jays and go, well, they're good or they're bad. And I'm, that's me segueing into, I'm going to segue into the George Springer problem, which is first his elbow and now his knee. Um, but in the meantime, from the sort of recovered
0: elbow to the now injured knee, he, got, he had a five-hit game, God. In the game where he injured his knee, in the first at-bat of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, he's when he's playing this is why it's the, we called it the George Springer problem. The team is so good when he's healthy and playing and they have, even now, like even when he came back, like he's, he, he had what was like eight hits in the two games or three games, including the pinch hit, go ahead, run in the last game of the Orioles series, which they ended up they blew it open and they scored six. But it just it creates this extra length to the top of the lineup that, that just isn't there otherwise. And especially when he's in center field, it really allows them to do different things. Like they can have Kirk at the DH or Tapia if they want to or whoever without worrying about, well, what's going to happen with our center field defense?
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because of the replacement player problem, George Springer's always being replaced by literally a replacement player, someone off of the waiver wire at this point. I mean, Bradley Zimmer's out and Jackie Bradley Jr. is in. Gosh, (laughs) that's a big step down. And there's between, you know, Ryan Tapia or uh, whomever else. Yeah, or Whit Merrifield getting subbed into the outfield. There is still a great gulf between George Springer's talent level and those guys.
0: Yep. Yeah, and, you know, like... uh... It just Springer, he's only played 11 games since the all star break. (laughs) The team has played 26, he's played 11 of them. But in those 11, he's hitting 386 with a 438 on base and a 500 (laughs) slugging.
1: Yeah, just wrap him in bubble wrap and get him back up. (laughs) Seriously, he should just go to the plate and body (laughs) on. Uh, I have a feeling he would he would pinch himself in the body arm or something. I don't even think of him as injury prone. I just think he's uh he's had a Unlucky? Yeah, incredibly unlucky. And I mean, I am sure there is something rattling around in that elbow that's gonna come out in chunks when they finally open it up. But uh obviously if you can avoid that um right up until the end of the season, that that would be great to not have him completely wiped out uh for the year. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, he's not the only guy who can hit in this lineup like you were looking to. It makes it longer, but uh tell me about Vlad Jr.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mentioned how well Springer was hitting. Well, in that same stretch of time, which is 26 games for Vlad, not 11 with well and only 10 starts for Springer. Vlad is hitting 327 with a 374 on base and a 589 slugging, including six bombs. <laughs> and you just watch him hit. At the beginning, so he routed off this 22 game head streak, I think it was. Might have got to 26. But at the beginning of the streak, he was, you know, a lot of there, they, they were like those, you know, ground balls through the right side of the shifted infield. There was a lot of that. It's he's driving the ball again, and it looks a lot like 2021, Vlad. And there was a lot of worry about. Oh, that was the best of his career. It was a fluke season, or I don't know. I mean, I'm not really rational people saying that, but it was sort of creeping into people's doubts that maybe that was the best you were ever going to see of him. Teams adjusted the way they pitch. He needed time to adjust back, and he has, and he's just crushing everybody.
1: I I think, um, it is easy to get lost in that, you know, in the in the short term with Vlad because you you feel like you need him to get a hit every time up. Right? He looks like he's ready to get a hit every time up um i i my brain usually goes back to the the weird comparisons that they have with his father where it's like same obp same number of rbi like one home run apart at so many career plate appearances and it's like okay if he's pacing like that vlad senior was a no doubt lock hall of famer so if they're anywhere close to one another vlad's probably okay vlad's probably still better than his dad because he's younger than his dad was at most of these you know Yep. at most of these milestones so yeah you gotta you gotta he's human right. i wish he wasn't but he is <laughs> um yeah
0: this no but he's he's carrying the team right now offensively yeah. 100%. i, mean, like, yeah, I mean, there their games those ones where they were struggling to score is like oh vlad hit a home run and nothing
1: <laughs> that's yeah he's doing his otani impression um Matt Chapman, uh, just random note: Matt Chapman is exactly 2020 hat- Matt Chapman right now, uh, which is not the great Matt Chapman, but he's funny. He is exactly the same uh, Woba, like weighted on base average, exactly the same WRC plus.
0: <laughs> That's 2020. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I mean, speaking about guys that are hitting well since the All Star break, he's right there with those guys. He's got nine home runs since the All Star break.
1: Yeah, another one today to dead center
0: field that looked like an absolute missile. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, Chapman started very slow, but he's come on of late. Very, very much so, to the point where he's he's actually batted leadoff in one of these games that Springer was out. But he's moved up in the order, and Bo has moved down, which we'll get to in a minute, but... Yeah, Ch- Chapman is just looking like the all-star that they traded for. And if he stays as what he's been for the last few months for the next year and whatever's left of this season, it'll be a tremendous value for the Blue Jays. Absolutely. Um, And then the defense,
1: of course, is where it's always been. Uh, Bichette, I think we need to talk about Bo Bichette, who, you know, random person who he's being out hit by, Kevin Biscio.
0: Oh, really? Wow, that's
1: bad. <laughs> Gabrio has a 102 uh, WRC, and, and Beau Bichette is exactly 100. <laughs> so 103 for Bichette, 100 for Bichette.
0: Wow. Yeah, I've, it's been a truly terrible season for Bo. and you're starting to see it show up on his face with the frustration, and it's obvious what the problem is, though. Well, no, it's not obvious. There's two problems. One, he still has no substance of an approach. No, it's there's no, I swear it's like he decides what he's going to swing before the pitcher throws the ball. It's like, I'm going to swing at this pitch because he'll take pitches right down the middle and then swing at one in the dirt. And there there, there doesn't seem to be any consistency in the types of pitches that he swings at. It's just a bad approach. I think he's in his head a little bit. And he's also missing a lot of pitches that he should be driving because I think his timing has just been off all year. He's been a little late on everything.
1: I, I I have nothing to add to that analysis except that yes he looks silly when he's well he looks silly more often than not uh, because like you said the the approach just seems to be like oh doesn't matter where the ball is this is the one I'm swinging at um, he got he got dropped to seventh in the order that belongs at the moment the way he's hitting right if if Kevin Biggio who walks a ton more than. He walks more than twice as much as Bichette. That's where he makes up the value, right? Because uh, he doesn't hit for nearly as much power. Um, you know, if if Biggio makes up for it by by getting on base, then, yeah, Bichette should be down in the bottom
0: third, which is Biggio's crazy. Not, and Biggio's not even a starter. <laughs> you know? No. He only plays a couple of times a week. But, yeah, I mean, this is also, this is, this is, so I was going to get into the general problem with the offense. So, we mentioned the guys who are playing well, and Teoscar Hernandez is also playing well. Well, Teoscar hurt himself today. We don't know the result. He hit a foul ball off his foot and he had to leave the game.
1: No, uh, X-rays were negative.
0: Okay, well, that doesn't mean he's not no, injured.
1: I'm not saying that. I'm mean, I just
0: Yeah, yeah. but I mean, like, so, like, we don't know if he's going to be back tomorrow. We don't know what Springer is. We're recording this Saturday. After that, there's not a single player in the Jays lineup who has an OPS over 700 since the All-Star break. Whoops. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's a problem because when you're missing Springer or Teoscar, it's really falling to two guys. Now, Kirk has started to hit a little bit better over the last week or so, but Gouriel has gotten very cold. And, you know, the rest of the lineup just isn't doing a whole lot. They've got some key hits in this series, but they're overall just not hitting. And part of the issue is that they're all pretty much right-handed. And
1: they haven't hit left-handed pitching all year. And now finally they're not hitting right-handed pitching.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's very funny. I was, so I was talking about this with, uh, with a couple people in DMS and I was like, well, I, I won't say this publicly yet. Cause I want to save it for the podcast. Right. And then Joe Siddle talked about it. And then, uh, Dan Schulman talked about it. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess it's not that novel a thought, but the idea is that it's not about splits platoon splits being able to hit righties or being able to hit lefties it's about being the same not only are the blue jays all right-handed they all are very pull happy and aggressive with the exception of maybe kirk and well bichette hits the ball the opposite field a lot but i don't think it's on purpose (laughs) and it allows pitchers to just attack the same spot over and over and over and over again And they get into a groove and their mechanics get repeatable because they're not trying to do anything different. It's like if I like I'm an amateur, if you send up nine right handers against me in a row, I will dominate you because I'll just hit the same spot over and over and over and over again. My body will get used to throwing there. And, you know, it happens like people watch the Jays and say, how are these pitchers just dotting the outside corner constantly? Well, it's because it's all they have to do. Yeah. You know, and and the Jays need to adjust their approaches or get some lefties in there a little more often unfortunately their lefties just aren't very good but something has to happen because and it's more these guys that are not Garrett Cole right Garrett Cole is going to pitch the way he pitches to everybody because he's dominant the guys who aren't dominant pitch to your weakness and that's why the Jays get exposed by guys like Dean Kramer uh,
1: someone or a, a you know a group of them have to make the sacrifice and take make the effort to hit the single to the opposite field right um, but when when nobody wants to be that guy I think and pass the baton to you know the next guy who they're worried is not going to be able to make the adjustment and try and hit, hit the single to the opposite field
0: yeah and, and it's also just being able to being willing to take more pitches there's a lot of there's not a lot of people walk on this team
1: no Kevin Biggio and Alejandro Kirk are your your two actual walk happy people
0: yeah there there are a few other guys who will take some it's i mean it's not just those two guys but in terms of actual walk percentages over 10
1: that's that's it
0: those two that's yeah. that's it well and and ghost k kato had one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember him <laughs> but yeah, but chap chapman springer and vlad are all around nine which is still solid but there's a bunch of guys who are five six seven three for tapia so it it does become a problem
1: yeah um and i don't i i think that's that is a a on the hitting coach to some degree i mean you can control what happens when you get in
0: the box but he can preach he can preach an approach right yeah so here's the funny thing about it the jays are one of the better overall offensive teams in baseball so it's hard to justify making significant changes on that level they're just it just leads to them having some really stinky games right i mean they're fourth in ops you know they're second in batting average like second in, yeah, you and know, in, in fourth in runs or fifth like their their offense is good it's just very up and down i just i think you can make
1: the case for adjusting game to game more than they do right sure it would be it would be nice Invested war game to game just to see all right let's flip the script the pitchers ross stripling boy did he come off the aisle in a big way (laughs) (laughs) how about just let's just not have any base runners it'll be easier if there's no base runners we won't have to worry about so many things (laughs) <laughs> six perfect innings
0: or six and a third six and a six, third
1: Six third perfect innings off no the no
0: aisle. uh i think mullins let off the sixth okay so yeah. six
1: perfect innings only six
0: yeah holy moly
1: that was not you know you're hoping stripling will be come back and be good but that's a crazy way to come off the
0: deal uh aisle uh, it's it's hard to call this surprising anymore i mean obviously like uh, six perfect innings is surprising <laughs> you don't expect that from anybody but he's just been doing this all year he doesn't go overly deep in games he's only gone in, he's only thrown six or more innings three times four well prior to this that is so so this is a, this was the fourth but he limits damage and he gives you a chance to win
1: it is literally all you can ask from a guy who's not supposed to be your number one or number two
0: Yeah, so since he moved into the rotation, the Jays are eight and three in his starts. And it's not because of like, they're like seven, they're 17 and seven in Barrios starts, which makes no sense. But it's because Stripling does give them a chance to win every single timeout. He doesn't have the blow up start. His worst outing was three earned over four and two third, which is not good, but you're still in that game.
1: It it is interesting because every time uh, one of his starts comes up on, like, Reddit and there's comments, there's Dodger fans going, I love that guy. I'm so glad he's doing well. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, we love him, too. You cannot have him back. (laughs) It doesn't work
0: like that. Um, He is an easy guy to root for, 100%. And he's putting himself in. I laughed at the idea that they give him a qualifying offer, but he's got a 2.93 ERA now. And that's including all his roles. It's kind of hard to... I I think they really need to start talking about extending this guy.
1: Well, you look at what they're paying Yusei Kikuchi and what they're paying Barrios and what they're getting from those guys versus what they're getting from Stripling. certainly seems like he'd be worth the
0: qualifying offer. Well, that's a really bad way to look at it. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter what you're paying other underperforming pitchers. But... It's hard – see, the problem with those two guys – we'll get to Kikuchi in a second – But is that – well, assuming Brios. well, actually, we'll get to both of them in a second. But, like, let's assume they they figure it out. The Jays have a lot of money tied up into their rotation with Gaussman, Brios, and Kikuchi, even though he's not making $10 million next year. It's hard to justify adding $18 million on one year to – for a guy who's a five-inning pitcher it just it really puts a lot of burden on everybody else to be healthy and perform. That said, it's also hard to justify letting him walk unless you're replacing him with someone who's more trustworthy than Yusei Kikuchi.
1: So I, I would say that he uh, they prefer to use him without going third time through the order. I think there's a case that maybe the Blue Jays are just being terribly conservative about it. And second of all, I have no doubt that someone will pay Ross
0: Stripling $20 million a year for two or three years. Oh, that would shock me. I don't think he's getting that much money. I do. Look at what Steven Matz got. Like, he, like, that's the comp, right? The guy who's a five-inning pitcher but very good for those five innings and who's never really been an ace before. He's not going to get $20 million a year.
1: <laughs> we'll come back to this podcast in four months and you can laugh at me if you want. Um, so we, the Blue Jays do have a problem with,
0: well, they don't have
1: a problem with Kikuchi now because now he's a very, very well
0: compensated bullpen pitcher. Hey, we've, we wanted some power arms in the bullpen, right? He throws high nineties. <laughs> and here's the thing. Kikuchi, when he went to the bullpen, his one outing against the Yankees, he walked the first batter on four pitches and you know, people were like, oh no. And then he was great. His spin rate on every pitch was up. His velocity on every pitch was up. His, the break on every pitch was up. He already has dominant stuff as a starter. As a reliever, just say, go through every pitch as hard as you can over the plate. And let the stuff take its, like do its job. And he might be really useful there. I I mean, look, it's one outing. He obviously had a great first start back after his fake neck injury, but you know, no, it absolutely was a fake injury. We all know that. You know, he was working on things. It's like, well, I thought he was injured, but he's could be a weapon. And it was really cool is that he offered to go down to AAA.
1: Yeah, I think that is really cool. Um, He has he has never you know tried to deflect anything you know away from his personal responsibility and he's he's never done anything but make the utmost effort to you know to help the team whatever way they thought he was going to be most useful like stripling largely uh just like a less successful version of stripling
0: yeah and you know it, it it's there's a big difference in how john schneider talks about kikuchi and how Charlie Montoyo (laughs) talked about Kikuchi. I think. But I think it really matters. You know, Kikuchi offered to go to the minors, and Schneider was like, no, I want you here because I really think you can still help this team win games now. It's just so different from Montoyo, like, oh, man, I don't feel like he's got to be better. It's no good. Every time out, it's like that's not going to make you succeed. And it's really nice to hear that he's got the support because it seems like the teammates love him.
1: Uh, Jose Barrios, you want to talk about Jose Barrios?
0: Yeah, so there was some thought that he was tipping his pitches, which explain would explain why he was getting crushed despite no change in his stuff. So for his start against the Yankees, that happened early in the series, he was keeping his hands higher as he was coming through instead of dropping them down to his waist and keeping the ball in the glove longer, whereas before he would sort of take it out at the top of his delivery. And maybe that's helping hitters not know what's coming because if you can eliminate his changeup, which is what you would be able to see when he pulls it out of his glove you're just looking for fastball curveball and if you get the fastball you're going to crush it the straight one you're going to crush so i think it might be if it is that then this could be really helpful but obviously, obviously we're gonna have to see it a few more times yeah because some teams
1: clearly had not picked up on whatever it was because Maria has a ton of quality starts this year you're just where we collectively are just remembering the absolute disasters in between those.
0: yeah which there have been more than the acceptable amount
1: absolutely but it's like like i'm just saying if he is tipping pitches and some teams have know what they're looking for and other teams haven't clued in it makes more sense that you know this this decent results versus absolutely abysmal results depending on who he's playing against to the minor leagues, where I would like to be talking about Nate Pearson, but, you know, we're we're just going to hold off on that. But but anyway, Drew Weather.
0: Yeah, so he's, he started up a rehab assignment on August 6th. He's had five outings since then, well, covering six innings, and he struck out ten batters, giving up zero hits in one walk. That's the Julian Merriweather that we thought we were getting. Mm-hmm. And... and That's obviously a potentially huge weapon for the Blue Jays down the stretch. Here's the problem. Tim Meza is also rehabbing. He threw an inning today for Buffalo. You are limited with the number of pitchers that you can keep on a roster. The Blue Jays' current bullpen, as we record this, is Romano, Simber, uh, Phelps, Garcia, Pop, Bass, Kikuchi and Trevor Richards.
1: Who we can get rid
0: of, right? But that's only one name, right? (laughs) And when Mesa comes back, then okay, well, you could wait till September, maybe for Mesa, give him some more time. But you don't want to be doing that. You want to be taking your best guys, and you can only take one more. You can only drop Richards if they have to cut Richards. You see, two, which is something they might not be willing to do because they have seen him be very good but let's just say they would what do you do for the next guy what do you do when pearson comes back in september if he does when you can only add one more
1: yeah i mean you're looking at the you're looking at bass and pop who you specifically got because you thought they were viable options at the trade deadline your closer your ostensible setup man in garcia who really hasn't done anything to deserve no he's been great (laughs) yeah exactly um he got the save in in today's know had been used two days in a row. Um, yeah. Phelps. Phelps, has, doesn't he have a two-year contract?
0: He has a one-year deal, but he's also been great. The only guy that they can even send down is Zach Pop, And I think that might have to end up being the move, but also he's one of the guys you just traded for. And you met, he was the, the weapon you were adding to your bullpen with that power sinker. Though...
1: After our discussion about Kikuchi, maybe your answer is actually there.
0: I don't think so. I don't think that's the thing. Like, that would have been an answer, but they made this choice instead. And I don't think you say, okay, here, go to the bullpen and reject his offer to go to AAA and then say, oh, well, we have other relievers. We want you to go to AAA now. I think that that's very difficult to sell. So it's going to be interesting. Um, you know the people who have options. It's limited to Romano not going anywhere, Simber not going anywhere, and Kikuchi not going anywhere other than pop. So,
1: well, I mean, of course, the, the whole thing is unless Kikuchi is horrible the next two times out. Sure. Yeah. If, if Kikuchi
0: struggles, that becomes an easier conversation. But if not, like if people keep performing as they are performing, it's going to be an interesting, interesting thing to watch obviously like it's pitchers they get hurt and this could just work itself out but it's it's somewhat fascinating
1: uh it is not the problem we thought the blue jays were going to have prior to the trade deadline
0: no 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 it's (laughs) it's definitely not i mean julian mary was one of the problems before right but if he's figured out how to throw hard again off of you know with some time to heal up then that that could make a big difference he was the best reliever on the team for those two outings, right? He, was just, he looked like an ace reliever. Yeah. And then he got hurt, and then it never happened again. So if he's back to throwing 100, then you kind of have to make room for him, right?
1: I don't know. I'm lucky I'm not the manager or the general manager. True. Um, and while we play armchair manager, we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to come back for exciting and insightful queries for Josh and I, we'll be right back. Uh, you probably haven't had a chance to get yourself a, a refreshing beverage um, because I don't, I don't do the pause that long. But we're back, we're back, and we are ready to answer questions from our esteemed listener
0: time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly
1: here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question
0: then how does that sound sweetheart could you repeat the question please
1: and question number one comes to us josh from whom from
0: l at Heart. what's your ideal ballpark layout crazy features short porches giant outfields symmetrical.
1: I am, you know, as a child, symmetrical was like, that was a good ballpark. Like my brain just thought that was good because I, I didn't really have an understanding of why it would be asymmetrical except, asymmetrical except when you were forced into that. Um, but apparently my childhood brain has left me. I am okay with an asymmetrical layout uh, where, you know, one handed hitter or not. Uh, With it, you know, maybe I I like the home run stealing fence height. I feel like getting getting that moment is very dramatic. I draw the line at New York and Boston and Houston nonsense. I just I can't I can't deal with it on an ongoing basis. What
0: about you? You know, I think I'm with you there. Like, I'm fine with quirks, but weird for the sake of weird is just like remember when Houston had a pole on a hill in center field in a new ballpark? Yeah, they built it that way. It was <laughs> like, and that was, that sort of, that was weird for the sake of weird. And they've kept a lot of that with the way their fence height goes up and down along a wall. It's like, just make it the wall. So, but I, I do like when there are interesting aspects to the park. And I also think that it allows you to be better at team building when you know the way your home park is going to play. They just, current park is just a neutral park. There's no real advantage to building your team one way or the other. But if you, if this new stuff they're going to do makes it play certain ways, then you can build your team like that. Like Tampa has done just p- building their team on defense because it's very hard to hit the ball out of that park.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I enjoy a ballpark with whatever they call triples alley or the triangle or whatever. I think that's uh, interesting because it requires a, an outfielder who is familiar and skilled, to handle weird things that might be going on. In there. I'm cool with that. If the ball's bouncing around a bit, right. Instead of this, just sort of standard, everything the same every time. But yeah, yep. the, the green monsters just, I know why it's there. It's there. Cause there's a street immediately behind it. Um, <laughs> but, but like to do that on purpose is nonsense. Uh, fun fact. Cause I'm going to derail this again. The shortest porch in baseball is not in Yankee stadium. It is the, uh, left field corner in, um, in Houston, not necessarily by distance, but by how hard you have to hit a ball to have it leave the park. If you look up the the softest hit fly ball home runs in baseball every year, they're in Houston,
0: right? Because like Boston, down, technically down the right field line in Boston is two hundred and ninety six feet, and it's a four foot fence, but it shoots way out. Yeah. Whereas the Crawford boxes are just a line across the field. So if you hit a ball to away left, it does not take a lot to hit it out of there. No, that you can, you can uh,
1: find just about every year, a ball that was thrown harder than it was hit out in Houston.
0: Oh comes, yeah. Comes oh, in yeah. at
1: 97 miles an hour and leaves at 95 and a, and a half or something. It's ridiculous.
0: It's where uh, Bradley Zimmer hit his only homer.
1: Uh. <laughs> that's not even a fun fact question number two from uh all bummer everything at all bummer what would you be more excited about the jays making the playoffs or the yankees imploding and missing the playoffs i've already seen the responses to this
0: on twitter but go ahead well no i'm not going to use those ones because those say both <laughs> that is a, a cheating <laughs> answer but more excited about the jays i don't i <laughs> it's not even close which would be funnier and more long lasting humor probably the yankees but yeah. still the jays i mean i'm a jays fan I don't, I don't care if the yankees make it or not as long as the jays get in you No, know, the only exciting part of of
1: me uh watching you know the tumble of of the, the nyy is i get to see more instances of david ortiz saying duh yankees loose <laughs> <laughs> that, that's exciting for me
0: yeah we all get our little thrills
1: <laughs> we have another question
0: yes this one actually came in on august 6th we've been a while since we recorded because of scheduling and the jays just not being fun to talk about we didn't want to just be whiny all episode no they didn't play they didn't play for a week oh right of course i forgot Uh, (laughs) it's like the the 2015 world series didn't happen right also true (laughs) so this came from sarah clark at cheer for sarah woo go sarah go sarah go there you go do the Jays know what it takes to be a quote-unquote running team? Seems they have no understanding of their own and opponents' capabilities. Hard to watch them run into out after out. The Jays are adventurous on the base. <laughs> and they've got some guys who are more at fault than others. Lourdes Goriel is certainly an adventure. Vlad but, is also an adventure? But yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> The Jays, if you actually look at the numbers, they're oddly pretty good at it. Going first to third attempts, they've been, say, 96.5% of the time. First to home, 96.9. Second to home, 97.2. So it's actually overall been pretty good. But just when it's the problem is that they do it a lot. So when it happens and it's an out, it really stands out.
1: I think it usually gets focused on when the new manager comes in and nine times out of 10, what does the new manager say? Cause it's usually a, you know, a team that's been having some kind of problem. He says, we're going to be more aggressive. So all the announcers tell you they're going to be more aggressive. And then you watch for the hit and run specifically because Pat Tabler tells you now would be a good time to hit and run because there is a runner on first. Um, And you watch and it, it turns into a strike him out, throw him out, or you know someone doesn't swing and he's thrown out easily, and you're like, oh, I, I think I think it's very much the uh, what is it, strike effect, where no, that's the Dunning Kruger effect, where you've heard about it and now all you do is see the running mistakes. Um,
0: yeah, and like if you just look at the like the league wide, they are so the they've ten times this year they've had their hitter get out after a hit trying to extra extend the base for an extra base that seems like a lot and it it is it's fourth most in baseball but the Rays, yankees and padres are ahead of them and all of those teams are currently in playoff spots (laughs) so
1: it's not the worst time to be aggressive
0: no and and there's a stat for extra bases taken like when you can and when you can't the jays are actually 20th in baseball at doing it so like they're they're aggressive but they're actually it's not as bad as it looks but i do
1: agree it feels Horrible when absolutely an extra out just
0: just happens and it didn't have to happen. Yeah, but it was actually a good question. It, it, like it, it was interesting to look at the data there. So, thank you,
1: Josh. Will go digging for you folks. So keep that in mind if you if you get a question in soon enough. Josh has a, a it's a big pile of statistics he dives into, <laughs> like screwed a duck in <laughs> <Yeah>. the uh
0: <laughs> diving into a big pile of money sounds like a lot more fun if a lot more painful than what i'm doing
1: (laughs) well i don't have a big pile of money for you josh i only have a big pile of statistics so (laughs) you're just gonna have to have to make do for now oh my goodness we have a do over um i feel like we haven't played this one for a while
0: what did you say Oh my god, did he really just say that? Well, we can try again, right? Are you talking about a duel him? Are you talking about a duel? Let's do this.
1: And what what poor soul is going to have to do something over?
0: Well, we've done it before with this certain soul who's <laughs> not poor. His soul might be, I suppose. Tony LaRussa. He's probably he, just a soul at this point. Like Does anybody even know if he's corporeal? He's been around so long. It's hard to say. (laughs) He did it again. He walked someone with a one and two count intentionally. This time. uh, Go ahead. It was a five to two. They were losing five to two. At least last time he could say, well, Trey Turner, even with two strikes, destroys lefties. Had to do it. And it's like, okay, like that's, that data doesn't mean that much. Oscar Gonzalez was the hitter. He's not that good. <laughs> he's fine. He, he, he's he's a useful hitter. He's a he gets hits for a good average. And then on deck batter was Nolan Jones, a prospect, bats left, but they just pinch hit for him. I I don't get it. Like there's like at least the first time you could say, well, Muncy, the lefty, was coming up against the lefty, and uh, you know he's struggling this year. And Turner, like I said, it was still nonsense. But at least you could say it. he couldn't say that this time. There was no reason to do what he did, and it worked. So he's going to keep doing it.
1: Well, Josh, I think what you fail to realize is that the, the one-two count is the most dangerous count in baseball.
0: Well, I mean, if Apple TV is telling me anything, it's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Got to play those percentages. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just bizarre. Uh, I, I don't really get it. And uh, it's just it's just silly. Like, Deakman had one-two count. Deakman, who misses a lot of bats and uh, whatever. <laughs>
1: Hey, we are an equal opportunity, something or other, though. I mean, we've, we've thrown Tony under the bus. Uh, we're going to rise him up. We're going to give him a gold star. I think that's the brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, let's stop in and take a listen here. Hey, Tony! Hey, Tony, one angle! That's hey, a fail. Within earshot of Tony. What the f- is happening? Uh, what is happening is uh, that guy actually got Tony LaRusso's attention, and as a result, Tony is pinch running. <laughs> Look, he's he's finally listening to the experts. <laughs> Maybe we should offer him a tin foil star instead. <laughs> did foil star sure <laughs>
0: why not instead of the brown star we gave it one time
1: i like so many people yell things at players at managers at coaches at umpires and i feel like it's a professional level thing to ignore them in new and creative ways but this guy was generally right. It was not, you know, it would be a
0: good time to pinch run in the eighth inning. How so, did Tony hear him? Well, it's easy. He heard him. But <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw this clip, like I, had, I actually had watched the video yet, and people were like, "This fan told Tony Larusa to pinch run." I was like, "Ha ha ha!" Very funny. So the fan was clearly just yelling for an obvious move, and then Larusa made it. Larusa did not look like he was going to make a move. He had to wait and get his batter to step out of the box and call time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what the I feel so sorry for White Sox fans. But good, good for you, Tony. Gold Star. You listen to you listen to someone who knows more about what to do than you do. Um let's let's get
1: Tony a rocking chair. Uh and he can he can put it anywhere in the ballpark he wants except the dugout. And he can just rock and talk about baseball all day long. But please, dear White Sox, stop torturing uh, your fans with the way this guy is running the team. Please. We're begging
0: you. Actually, keep doing it through the end of the season because the White Sox are making noise in the wild card race. But then you can do it after that.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. TLR forever, baby. I uh, <laughs> believe. All right. We have arrived. At the tail end of the podcast, Um, this is the portion of the program where I ask you if you have a thought which you would like to add on to all of the other thoughts we've had so far.
0: Yeah, it's Albert Pujols has, has now hit six home runs in his last eight games. He's back, baby. Since August 10th, he has seven home runs, which is more than seven MLB teams he might actually get to 700. It, it seemed crazy entering the season because Albert Pujols had, you know, his struggles as he got into the later part of his career were not exactly a secret. And he was moving to the NL where he was going to be a part-time DH. So it's like, okay, well, you know, it's, it, it was hard to see him getting the required amount. He, he needed 21 home runs. so It's like, oh, he's probably not going to get there he might get there. <laughs> it would be really cool if he does, because it's his last season. I'd love to see him get to 700. In um,
1: nerd stat news, uh, it was a bit of a, you know, obviously baseball reference wins above replacement is, is a stat that you could probably round to the nearest run, and that's fine. But they don't round it. They give you one decimal point. And his abysmal performance over the last couple of seasons had dropped him below 100 career wins above replacement. This year has has pulled himself up by his bootstraps and once again has 100 career B-War. And he's
0: got two home runs today, so that might even go to 101.
1: Baseball is a very strange game. Yep. Um, I would just reflect on the fact that if there was actually a god, he would get Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout out of California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! That's my final thought. That's okay. why I don't believe <laughs>
0: in a super in a higher power. <laughs> I'm gonna just play off your final thought. There's a video going out there today, <laughs> I think the caption says like, "Why? Why can't the, the Angels make the playoffs? The Mike Trout no time? Oh." <laughs> And then there is a video under this. <laughs> so it's a ground ball. There's a runner on second, and a ground ball is hit to short. The shortstop decides oh, the runner on third is the runner on second is running to third. So Velasquez decides, I'm going to try to throw to third. Well, Luis Ranjifa was not standing on third because there were two outs. <laughs> And he was not expecting the throw to get the lead runner when there was no forced play. So they did not get an out in the inning. And then the Tigers proceeded to score two runs. The, the, the Angels are just a bafflingly stupid organization. The other night, they insisted that Seattle
1: score enough runs to destroy them before the game was over. They, they just kept handing them outs. Like, it's like, no, no. You can have this game. <laughs> Here are a number of errors in the field for you to take advantage of. We wouldn't we wouldn't want to be a rude hosts and have you not score late and often.
0: Oh yeah, the that inning was just <laughs> it's a
1: bad team. Yeah, it, but it's 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 some teams are bad because they they can't do things. It seems like the angels are bad because of the things they
0: actually do. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Uh, oh, Free Otani. Yes. I want not to stay there forever because it's funnier.
1: Oh, well, okay. But yes, Free Otani. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just so you know, uh, I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and uh, you there, gosh, have been... Uh, Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 244. And we will talk to you if this next week, if it's anything worth talking about at all.